Whatever is produced by the materialist with great pain and labor for so-called happiness, the Supreme Personality, as the time factor, destroys and for this reason, the conditioned soul laments. Did you hear anything extra at the time? Yes. When you hear the words pain and labor, yes. you know the analogy that's talked about is of the donkey that's carrying a heavy load and it's just chasing a carrot trying to obtain some sort of happiness. Sure. A lot of people died building the Golden Gate Bridge. It's a beautiful bridge, but a lot of the, the labor conditions were such at that time, and even if they were up to date, people might have died anyway because it was such dangerous work. Of course, since then, more people have jumped off that bridge than any other. <laughs> Maybe it's a result of the lamentation. So this, this paints a rather bleak picture, don't you think? Is it bleak? It's pretty bleak. Okay, let's hear the word for word. Young, young. Whatever. Artum. Object. Upadate. One acquires. Yum, yum, artum, upadate. Yum, yum, artum, upadate. What does the first line mean? Whatever object one acquires. Does that include an iPhone? Does it include... Uh, what else might it include? What? Fido, a dog. Fido, the dog. Any other things? What? An automobile. It says young, young, that means whatever. That covers everything. It's an all-encompassing statement. So whatever one inquires. Next line says, tu kena, with difficulty. Sukha hetave, for happiness. Du kena, sukha hetave. What does that line mean? Yeah, with difficulty for the purpose of happiness. Whatever one acquires, with difficulty for the purpose of happiness. What might that include? Somebody uh, works hard, takes great difficulty to get something. What, what thing might that be that they try to acquire for the sake of happiness? Money, yes? Power over others. Power over others. Takes quite a effort to uh, get into power, doesn't it? Any other thing? Prestige? Prestige? A vacation. <laughs> All expenses paid vacation. I was thinking about Yertle the Turtle. Yertle the Turtle. How he, how he, uh, he, had to go through so much, he had to go through so much effort to get all the turtles from the pond. If you don't know, that's from the Dr. <laughs> Dr. Seuss Piranha. <laughs> You're the turtle. Thank you. Is that why you got that hat? 
<laughs> Which I like, by the way. Okay, next is uh, a little echo here, tum-tum. So we have yum-yum and tang-tang. Tang-tum, what does tang-tang mean? That. Dunoti, dunoti. Destroys. Give me another verse that has dunoti in it. Dunoti. That is good. Very nice that you have that in your head. Which verse is that? Yeah. You know which one it is? Call a friend. How about Shrinvatam? Go ahead, you got it. Vidhunoti. So, dunoti means some that uh, in that case, Krishna is working as the friend within the heart and he's destroying those things which are troublesome to the heart, the anartas, unwanted things. And in this case, what's tunoti referring to? Destroying, who's the destroyer in this verse? Time, and who is time? Exactly. Krishna is time. So he's, des he's destroying. <coughs> and what's he destroying? Tell me in Sanskrit what he's destroying. Go ahead and say it. If you got a wrong answer, go down in flames at least, but tell us. Huh? What's he destroying? Give him the microphone so he can amplify his answer. Whatever. Yeah, you could take it for granted. Whatever you get, it's going to be destroyed by Bhagavan in the form of time. Yes. Now, the last line we have here, Puman chochati yakrite. Puman. The person. Who is that person? It's referring back to the person who's trying hard to get things for happiness, right? And having them destroyed. Puman chochati means laments. Yatkrite. For which reason? So, Puman Chochati Yatkrite means what? Yeah, the person, the materialistic person is lamenting for this reason. And what reason is he lamenting? Oh, use the mic. They got it for happiness, but then it gets taken away. So that causes them shochati. They lament, right? So is that a good reason to lament? No. Can you prove it according to what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita? Yes, Ananda Murari Prabhu, just in time. It's, it's, it, it wouldn't be ideal to lament for such a thing because then Krishna's saying how to become dear to him is just the opposite. To not lament for Don't it. lament for it. Very good. 
Any other verse? Yes? What was he lamenting for? He's lamenting for having to uh, be put in such a situation to where he has to kill his relatives. And, um, and he's going to lose it all, right? He's going to lose everything. Yeah. And so he said, you're lamenting unnecessarily for what that thing that shouldn't be lamented for. So does that solve all our problems now? We don't have to lament anymore for anything? Young, young, tum tum. Okay, let's try the verse. Young, young, artam upadate. Dukena sukahetave. Tang tang tunoti bhagavan. Uman chochati yatkrate. Would somebody like to repeat the verse? Yang yang artam upadate, dukena sukhetade, tang tang tunoti pogavan, human chochati yakrite. Yang yang artam upadate, dukena sukhetade. Tang tang tunoti bhagavan, human chochiti yakrite. Purport: The main function of the time factor, which is a representative of the supreme personality of Godhead, is to destroy everything. The materialists in material consciousness are engaged in producing so many things in the name of economic development. They think that by advancing and satisfying the material needs of man, they will be happy. But they forget that everything they have produced will be destroyed in due course of time. From history, we can see that there were many powerful empires on the surface of the globe that were constructed with great pain and great perseverance. But in due course of time, they have all been destroyed. Still, the foolish materialists cannot understand that they are simply wasting time in producing material necessities which are destined to be vanquished in due course of time. This waste of energy is due to the ignorance of the mass of people who do not know that they are eternal and that they have an eternal engagement also. They do not know that this span of life is a particular type of body. They do not know that this span of life in a particular type of body is but a flash in the eternal journey. Not knowing this fact, they take the small flash of life to be everything and they waste time in improving economic conditions. Small flash incorporated. How can we direct your call? Yam yam artam upadate dukena sukahetave tam tam tunoti bhagavan human chochati yakrite. Whatever is produced 
by the materialist with great pain and labor for so-called happiness, the Supreme Protective of Godhead, as the time factor, destroys. And for this reason, the conditioned soul laments. I offer my respectful obeisances to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and to all of you, because you are Vaishnavas and therefore are the most worshipable in the three worlds. Hare Krishna. The Bhagavatam gives us information that we don't hear, hear elsewhere. For instance, most kinds of advertising and news reporting simply tell about the way in which things are falling apart, because that's kind of interesting to most people. If it bleeds, it leads. However, there's not a philosophical foundation behind these reportings saying that, oh, and by the way, everything falls apart by the force of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, your endeavors for getting economic development, having another good quarter, seeing that the GDP increases significantly and so forth are a waste of time, at least from philosophical point of view and from the point of view of those who are interested in going back home, back to Godhead. But Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita and here in the Srimad Bhagavatam makes very clear what our situation is in this world and it's not pessimistic, so to speak, it's actually helpful to know that that's the situation. Otherwise, I'll be disappointed again and again. For instance, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Yehi samsparshaja bhoga dhukha yonaya evate adyantavantakontaya na teshu ramate buddha. He says that an intelligent person doesn't delight in the senses and the sense objects, knowing that those interactions have a beginning and an end. Adyantavanta. They begin and they're over at some time, and therefore, he says in a poetical way, that the womb of misery, is from the, from, the, from the womb of this sense enjoyment uh, is born the little child named Duki, which means misery. Yehu sam sparsha poga, when you try to enjoy through sparsha, enjoying the senses in the world around you, yehu sam sparsha poga, dukkha yonaya, yonaya means the womb, evite. So dukkha is born from that womb and uh, comes out, and then you, you got to take care of little Dookie for the rest of your life. And so <laughs> uh, Krishna warns us, and then Shukadeva Goswami, of course, he was such a renunciate, he wanted nothing to do with the world, he didn't even want to touch it, so much so that when he came out of the he didn't come out of the womb for a long time, Krishna had to come and assure him, you're not going to fall in Maya, you can come out. And when he did come out, he didn't take anything for granted. He ran away from home immediately. His father, Vyasadeva, wanted him to at least do some, some scars, as was traditional, but Shukadeva said none of that, and he just ran into the forest by himself. And later on, Shukadeva Goswami in the Bhagavatam, he 
Deha patra kalatra deshu asaini susatsapi tesham pramatu nidhanam pashana pina pashati. He says, although people see that everything's falling apart and that things don't uh, <coughs> last and that uh, the things that we put together in this world to protect us actually don't protect us ultimately. Therefore, he calls them fallible soldiers. And he's rather pessimistic about the whole material situation. But Krishna gives an all-encompassing statement in the Bhagavad Gita, just in case there was any doubt that maybe there was a place, maybe in the Bahamas or Fiji or somewhere, where you could actually enjoy, because a lot of people advertise it. In fact, Salem cigarettes shows people running down the beach, enjoying and so forth. So there's some hint here in the material world that maybe there's something that you could acquire that would actually make you happy or a place you could go. But Krishna says, Abrahma bhuvana loka punar avartunarjuna mamupetya tukontya punar janma nividite. He certifies that every square inch of the material world, as he says, from the top to the bottom, ah, Brahma, Bhuvanala, from the top planet in the material world down to the lowest planet, Patala, all are places of misery, wherein repeated birth and death take place. That helps to adjust expectations, hopefully, that one uh, wouldn't be able to make a permanent residence here in the material world, or become happy by acquisition. And uh, let's take the perspective of, of another very exalted personality, Mother Earth, and see what she sees. I mean, it's easy enough to say all these things, but then, of course, I'm young, and there's still life to live, and maybe people didn't just, they didn't try hard enough. And they're just unlucky, but uh, I'm different. But let's get a little more perspective from Bhumi Devi, where she speaks in the Bhagavatam. And this is be in the 12th canto of the Bhagavatam, the first 15 verses of chapter 3. It's called the Bhumi Gita. Would you like to hear Mother Earth speak? Yes. Here's her perspective. Shukadeva Goswami said, this is 1231 uh, for those who are keeping score at home, seeing the kings of this earth busy trying to conquer her, the earth herself laughed. She said, just see how these kings who are actually playthings in the hands of death are desiring to conquer me. Great rulers of men even those who are learned meet frustration and failure because of material lust. Driven by lust, these kings place great hope and faith in the dead lump of flesh called the body, even though the material frame is as fleeting as bubbles of foam on water. Kings and politicians imagine, first I will conquer my senses and mind, then I will subdue my chief ministers and rid myself of the thorn pricks of my advisors. Sounds familiar. So. 
for some reason. Citizens, friends and relatives, as well as the keepers of my elephants. In this way, I will gradually conquer the entire earth because the hearts of these leaders are bound by great expectations. They fail to see death waiting nearby. After conquering all the land on my surface, these proud kings forcibly enter the ocean to conquer the sea itself. What is the use of their self-control, which is aimed at political exploitation? The actual goal of self-control is spiritual liberation. O best of the Kurus, the earth continued as follows. Although in the past great men and their descendants have left me, departing from this world in the same helpless way they came into it, even today foolish men are trying to conquer me. For the sake of conquering me, materialistic persons fight one another. Fathers oppose their sons and brothers fight one another because their hearts are bound to possessing political power. Political leaders challenge one another. All this land is mine. It's not yours, you fool. Thus they attack one another and die. Such kings as Prithu, Bharurava, Gadi, Nahusha, Bharata, Kartavira Arjuna, Mandata, Sagara, Rama, Kadvanga, Dunduha, Raghu, Trinabindu, Yayati, Shriyati, Shantanu, Gaya, Bhagirata, Kulavayash, Kuvalayashva, Kukusta, Naishada, Nriga, Hiranyakashipu, Vritta, Ravana, who made the whole world lament, Namuchi, Shambhara, <clears throat> Bhauma, Hiranyaka and Taraka, as well as many other demons and kings who possessed great powers of control over others, were all full of knowledge, heroic, all conquering and unconquerable. Nonetheless, nevertheless, O Almighty Lord, although they lived their lives intensely trying to possess me, these kings were subject to the passage of time, which reduced them all to mere historical accounts. None of them could permanently establish their rule. Is it a question? Okay. Just so you know, according to Srila Sridhar Swami, and as confirmed by Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, the King Ram mentioned here is not the incarnation of Godhead Ramachandra. Prithumaras is understood to be an incarnation <coughs> of the Supreme Personality of Godhead who completely exhibited the characteristics of an earthly king claiming proprietorship over the earth. A saintly king like Prithumaraj, however, controls the earth on behalf of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, whereas a demon such as Hiranyakashipu or Ravana tries to exploit the earth for his personal sense gratification. Nevertheless, both saintly kings and demons must leave the earth. In this way, their political supremacy is ultimately neutralized by the force of time. I thought that was an interesting point because Bhumi includes everyone, including Prithu Maharaj, who's an incarnation of the Lord, and other kings. But the point is, 
They all come and go. <clears throat> Even if you're doing it as service, or if you're trying to dominate for your own sense gratification, you still can't have it. Shukadev Goswami said, O mighty Parikshit, I have related to you the narrations of all these great kings who spread their fame throughout the world and then departed. My real purpose was to teach transcendental knowledge and renunciation. Stories of kings lend power and opulence to these narrations, but do not in themselves constitute the ultimate aspect of knowledge. Final verse. The, persons, the person who desires pure devotional service to Lord Krishna should hear the narrations of Lord Uttama Shloka's glorious activities and qualities, the constant chanting of which destroys everything inauspicious. The devotee should engage in such listening in regular daily assemblies and should also continue his hearing throughout the day. So Prabhupada mentions the various dynasties that have come and gone. There's the poem of, by uh, Keats by Osmondius. He describes a stone tablet that had been erected when Osmondius was the emperor and it declared that he was the ruler over all men and all the land and all the sea. And there it is in the poem, lying in the sand in the desert, withered away by the force of the wind and the sand against the stone and all but forgotten in history. And so many dynasties have come and gone. In China, the Ming Dynasty was famous, the Ottoman Empire, the, uh, the British Empire. As one said, the sun never sets in the British Empire. And now they're struggling to decide whether they're going to have Brexit or not. And and much diminished in power. On and on, there are lists and lists of, of great empires in the world, but they all, by the force of time, become diminished and, and eventually vanquished. What to speak of in this little flash life, whatever kind of prominence an individual living entity can gain here in Denver, Colorado, living on, what's that main street down there? On Colfax. On Colfax. What to speak of of a guy sitting in an apartment on coal flats, coal flax, coal flax, Colfax, and um, hoping that, hoping against hope that he'll conquer the material energy. What's he against Ozymandias and all the great <coughs> kings of various dynasties and that have been vanquished just uh, so easily by the power of time, which is the force. So the conclusion is <clears throat> that one should um, not endeavor to conquer the world, but one should conquer one's senses. And this is mentioned by <clears throat> Vamdev when he came to take away the <clears throat> universe from Bali Maharaj. Bali had conquered everything with his minions. And when Vamdev came to him, and asked for three paces of land. Of course, it was a ripoff because he wanted to take everything, but <clears throat> the king didn't know that. And his guru, Shukracharya, <clears throat> that is Bali, Mar Bali Maharaj's guru, Shukracharya, warned him. He said, This is Vishnu. 
He's going to take everything from you. Nonetheless, Bali Maharaj said, if I have an opportunity to give it away, um, it's a good thing because it's going to be taken away any, anyway. And that's a similar mentality that was Dadansha or Dadichi, whom the demigods asked a little charity. What did, he, what did they ask him in charity? Bones. A, bones. B, traveler's checks. Uh, C, uh, an automobile. You vote. Bones, traveler's checks, or automobile? Bones. A. The answer is A. They came and asked for a little donation. We need your bones. And he gave it because he said, oh, this is for Vishnu. And my bones are going to be taken anyway, so whoever gets an opportunity to give away his life for the sake of the Lord is fortunate because it's going to be taken away anyway. So with this perspective, a devotee can feel peaceful and dedicate his or her life to the humble service of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who's very much appreciative even of the smallest gesture uh, given him through service. And now we'll take some reflections or questions. This is an important point. And there may be goodwill <clears throat> towards others and thinking that, well, I'm not acquiring things for sense gratification, I'm acquiring them to help others. But in the Sri Upanishad, it is mentioned, Anyadevahur vidyaya, anyarahur avidyaya, iti shushum One result is obtained by the culture of nations, and another is obtained by the culture of knowledge. This the great sages have uh, heard over um, <clears throat> many millennia. And this is the difference, or you're pointing out the difference between vidya and avidya, the knowledge through which one can be a better exploiter of the material energy, even if you're doing it for a good cause, is misplaced. 
And the result will be more suffering for the people in general, even if your intention was good. But real vidya, knowledge, is meant to free one from the bodily conception of life because that's the only ultimate help for the suffering condition of the souls in this world. Thank you. One, two. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So you said that one should not endeavor to conquer the world or obtain happiness through material acquisition, but one should uh, endeavor to conquer the senses. So can one expect happiness uh, by conquering the senses? What is your experience? In the matter of Krishna consciousness, I would say that the quality of satisfaction that I receive by engaging my senses in Krishna's service, thus restricting them from material activity, that type of satisfaction is the only thing that I would classify as happiness. The you know, stimulation that I previously received through material acquisition and trying to conquer the world uh, was only so much headache. Even even when I, you know, was in the realm of so-called happiness, it came to an end, and it really wasn't that satisfying, even at its peak. Um, it was just of a totally different quality, much, much, much more dull and meaningless. Thank you for your testimonial. This morning, we heard from that Japa compendium realizations about chanting Hare Krishna and Sachinanda Maharaj in his observations this morning had pointed out that when one focuses on the syllables of the holy name when chanting, this was one of the techniques mentioned that Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj had said was was an effective technique while chanting is to also use your eyes to look at the syllables of the holy name. And just after he mentioned that technique, Sachinandan Maharaj said, when using this te technique, you can find that the mind becomes fixed in the practice, and then you become peaceful. And this uh, sense of peace doesn't come from engaging in more material activities and getting more acquisition, but counterintuitively to the material mind, it comes from actually conquering the senses and feeling satisfaction within the self. This is Krishna's first statement when Arjuna asks Krishna, what is the symptom of a self-realized person, person fixed in consciousness? And Krishna says, prajahati yadakaman sarvan partamanovadan atmanyevatmanatushta stita pragnas tadochate. A person who's able to withdraw the senses from sense objects and then find satisfaction. Actually, what he says is he withdraws his, his, himself and his attention from the mind's churnings and the way in which the mind is producing many more, many, uh, more and more desires. Manogatan means the mind's like a little factory and it's producing ideas for sense gratification. And the person who's situated in consciousness doesn't run after those. He just notices that they're there, but doesn't touch them. 
And instead, Atmaniva Manatushta, here she finds satisfaction in the self. And this is a person who's fixed in consciousness. Uh, testify. Well, have you ever been in a situation where you had a little extra time on your hands and there was a Bhagavad Gita sitting right there on your desk and you had the choice of picking up the Bhagavad Gita and reading it or thinking about some nonsense or just doing nothing or going to sleep? Has that situation ever arisen in your life? Have you ever struggled in that gap where you're thinking, uh, I don't want to pick up the Bhagavad Gita. Yes. Have you? Yes. Thank you for saying yes. So, so the, the environment of the material world is oppressive. And uh, because I've been so wrapped up in it for so long, there's, it's like mango sap. It's hard to get out of your hair. It just gets in your, and everything, and that stickiness that drags us into that kind of reluctance to entertain transcendental knowledge, which when we actually do pick up the Bhagavad Gita, the light comes on, right? And have you had that happen too? When you struggled and then you said, oh, I have to read my Chad today. And so you picked it up and you started in the first verse, then your mind felt blissful. Well, think of how all the people in the world they don't even necessarily have the choice between the Bhagavad Gita and just being in a stupor of material sound vibration, induced by material sound vibration. They don't have the choice. And even given the choice because they don't have any experience of it previously and they haven't heard anything about it to attract their mind, therefore the, the opportunity isn't there. So Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, prakriti kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvasha ahankara vimunatma kartaham itimanyate. A person becomes bewildered by the material nature and thinks I'm the doer. But then, when given an exposure to Krishna consciousness and being uplifted, at least to have some vision from the mode of goodness that there's a higher purpose to life, the next verse, Krishna says, Tattvavittu Mahabaho Guna Karma Vibhagayo Guna Guneshu Vartanta Iti Matva Nasajite. 
A person who becomes tattvavit, he, he sees a different category. Tat means there are different categories of, of energy and knowledge that one can attain. And when one sees the opportunity, he becomes tattvavit. He knows that there's a higher purpose in life. Tattvavit tu mahabaho guna karma vibhagayo guna guneshu vartanta. He, he, he then recognizes the difference between engaging in vidya and avidya or in sense gratification or in spiritual practice. Then he actually has the opportunity to make the choice. Until then there's no choice. That's why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu emphasized the uh, preaching of Krishna consciousness everywhere. He told Sanatana Goswami, Maya Mugda Jivara Nahit Swata Krishna Gyan, Jivara Kripoya Koila Krishna Veda Puran. He said that's the reason that Veda Vyas wrote the Srimad Bhagavatam as an example and all the Vedic literature is just so that the people who didn't have the choice, who you were lamenting about just a minute ago, would have uh, the opportunity. Because it's not Swata. It's not automatic that they'll come out and then re recognize there's a choice. And until they get an intervention through transcendental knowledge, uh, the touch of the association of devotees, and then there may be an inkling that there's a choice. And then Krishna can give intelligence from within the heart and if they accept that intelligence because of good fortune, then they can start changing and actually taking up the process of vidya over avidya. But even then it's a struggle because one has to go through a nartanivrti, right? We see people take to the path of vidya, but then later they go, nah, I think I'll just go back to the other life again for some time until they get thrashed, perhaps, and then think better of it and then come back and try again. Is that the kind of answer you were looking for? Okay. Anando, and then Margaret. I was just reflecting as you read Bhumi Gita last summer I was studying the world wars and just kind of over and over again being um, taken back by the, the, the mass amounts of, of slaughter over territory and just like all the crazy things that living entities did to each other uh, in order to chase these things that Mother Bhumi is talking about and then how all of them are just coming um, but then just this continuous cycle of the material world and uh, the flash, I was thinking of those, like the small flash of the pan, it's a, like a, a flash, it's like very hot um, and very intense and it's like combustion and at the same time it is very short. So this kind of thing in this material world is very insignificant, very short, but how much suffering goes on because of this Thank you for the summary. Well done. Helpful.
Do you go through the index to look for categories? Um, not as much. Yeah, I probably should, but I, I tend to I tend to go to Google actually. Oh. And I'll Google, you know, what that specific thing, whether it's about entanglement or um, you know suffering or something, and then things will come up. Mm. Um, in fact, there was an area that I was unsure about in terms of purification when you're suffering physically. And I asked Linda Suno to send me specific reports to help me process through the difference between our, our what we think is physical suffering and what's actually spiritual purification. So it's more of an exercise. I'd say if you have Nando helping you, then that's good. We should all check in with him. Thank you. That was very helpful. Prabhu, one, two. Um, I was kind of thinking about how we're reading this verse and we're meditating on how time factor takes away everything. <clears throat> but at the same time, other people in this country are preaching the prosperity gospel that if you're favored by God, then God will give you more audience. God will give you more to pleasure. So then somebody might look at us and say, well, you're kind of like sour grapes. You should surrender to God in this way, and then God will give you more objects. What would you, how, how do we, so then how do we get to those who are preaching the prosperity gospel? Well, I mean, <clears throat> those are two basic, two questions, right? I mean, how do we get to the people who are preaching prosperity gospel? I think wait for them to try it out and, and become frustrated. I mean, because um, this verse today generally is, is all-encompassing, and I try to give enough evidence in the beginning that really our activities here are futile. For me, the finishing touch was when Bhumi mentioned that even Pritu Maharaj, although he was doing for service, even he had to leave. So even if you get prosperity in this world, what is the use of it? From the perspective of Bhumi, you may get something, but you have to leave it behind. I mean, I've seen it myself. I saw my parents go through a lot of work to you know, get uh, degrees, academic degrees, and then get you know, careers and work, and they accumulated a lot of stuff. First my father died, and then a year later my mother died, and I was right there with her. And as, right when she left her body, I looked around and I said, hey, she left all her stuff here. Everything. Your stuff's all still here. And then she's a soul. She flew off somewhere else. And all her stuff's here. It's dravya. It's just stuff. So it, it's, it's, re, it's really kind of um, stimulating a, a passionate mode that you can be happy in this world in the first place. It's not true. And even social, um, sociological studies show that people don't become happier because they have more stuff. Material prosperity doesn't lead to happiness. The happiness index one year showed that Bangladesh was the happiest place on earth. And the reason was because they, they have more opportunity to break bread together, the families live together, and they have close proximity in villages, even though they're considered, like my economics teacher used to say, it was a fourth world country. 
because they have so many natural disasters. They were a third world country, but then natural disasters rendered them a fourth world country because they'll never get out of where, where they're at. It's not like they're going to develop prosperity there. They're perfectly happy. Uh, I don't know, perfectly happy, but they're happier than people who have lots of prosperity materially. It just doesn't add up. And um, so it does... It, it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's kind of building false hope in people. And uh, it really hits them where, where it counts because it's like, you know, if you really believe in God, then you'll keep trying. And one of the ways in which they're, they're encouraged to try is to give their money to the, to the main person. It's kind of a Ponzi scheme. It's a good scam, but for some people... Okay, yeah, one, two. One meditation that I've been cultivating the last few years is that um, because I don't truly possess anything and everything is a gift, such as warm clothing, nourishment, when I'm hungry, um, nice association, even the earth itself, but because all these things are bleeding and they will degrade, and instead of lamenting them, I should be more grateful and appreciative for them because they're here now and they won't be is that incorrect thinking? No, uh, it, there's no incorrect thinking unless it's... Uh, the Bhagavatam gives it like this. Ritertam yet pratyeta na pratyeta chatmani tadvidyadatmano mayam yatabhaso yatatamaha There's reality and there's illusion. And the Bhagavatam's specific purpose, stated purpose, is to distinguish reality from illusion for the welfare of all. So in the previous verse I just quoted, illusion comes when my vision is detached from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In other words, I don't see the connection between, for instance, nature and Krishna. Whereas in the beginning of the Srimad Bhagavatam, Shukadeva Goswami is pointing out to Prikshit Maharaj, look at the material creation first. For somebody beginning the process of spiritual life, develop some gratitude for this universe and see that actually it's the form of God. And he's even pointing out that the mountains are the bones, and the rivers are the veins, and the trees are the hairs on the body. So the universal form of the Lord is apparent for those who have developed a sense of gratitude. There's a person behind all this. And then he says, look at the trees, how charitable they are. They outstretched hands, they're holding fruits out, and inside every fruit there's a seed that you can grow another orchard. Just You can perpetuate that and get as much fruit as you want. It feeds the birds and the ants and the squirrels and all the humans. and It's benevolent. So that kind of vision, being in the now, appreciating nature and taking lessons from it and seeing, this is coming from my, our original divine benevolent source. This is the essence of God consciousness. Prabhupada pointed that out with um, St. Francis. He said he was God-conscious. See, he was sister water, you know, brother, uh, son. You know, he was relating to everything as being part of Krishna, coming from God. So, yes. However, pantheistic view in which there's no recognition of a divine source, it's just all the same energy, non-distinct, it's not as helpful. Bhakti really goes towards, okay, now find out who's behind this. 
the qualities that we see and are appreciated are coming from the energetic source and how much more in relishing the source will I feel gratitude. Nice points, thank you. Uh oh. Bye, no, no. I'm glad somebody else noticed that too. I just, when I just got back from India a few weeks ago, I went on a bent organizing everything. It drives me crazy when I leave that things are in disarray. So this time when I get home and I, didn't I really focus on it? You're cool. It was a marathon. And then, you know, two days after I got organized, I noticed like, hey, there's stuff creeping in here again. It just comes in through the door. And, uh, that's one of the points that Rupa Goswami makes out of the six items that are um, detrimental to the progress of bhakti. He says, atyahara, that's the first one. So ati means extreme and ahara means eating. And it also means extreme collecting. So extreme eating means like um, you're eating, you're living to eat rather than eating to live. And then extreme collecting means you got more stuff than you need. And it is very helpful to, to winnow out those things that you don't. It actually f helps to focus the mind right away. Getting rid of all the visual noise that's there in our lives and things that we worry about. So we've heard from Srimad Bhagavatam for an hour. And it's quite convincing, isn't it? And helpful, but important to hear every day because the, the other kinds of information flow through the, naturally coming out of the mind and heart from things we've heard from before, and also the propaganda of the material world is a natural drumbeat that no, try to enjoy, adjust yourself here. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. <laughs> Two cats in the yard, life used to be so hard. I mean, it's all in the popular music and everywhere you go. It's like, hey, relax, get cozy. Even some malt liquor, you know, such and such liquor gets you cozy. And uh, it won't. It'll leave you, you know, destitute in a gutter somewhere. And uh, knowing that, understanding what, what we're up against here in the material nature is, is part of Sambandagyan, and it's very important to know. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.